Hi, and welcome to the Growing Book Club, 12 books, one year, new you. I am your host, Sarah Herring, and I am so excited to go on this personal growth journey with you. Happy reading, my friends. All right. Well, I am beyond excited for Book Club in the month of February. We are reading Wired That Way, A Comprehensive Guide to Understanding and Maximizing Your Personality Type by Marisha Latour with insights from Florence Latour, best-selling author of Personality Plus. And the reason I'm so excited is because this book really was a game changer in our home. And throughout this series this month, you will come to learn more of why. We just came out of the month January reading the book, The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown. And here our focus was on letting go of who you think you should be and embracing who you are, right? Brene Brown is a shame researcher and we focused on sharing your story. We focused on bringing shame to light so that we can get out of the darkness. And Wired That Way, I felt like would be a great book to be able to help people better understand who they are as individuals. This book is more informative for sure, but I think that these books are also really necessary in our personal growth and development with having kind of the mixture like we did with Wired That Way, or excuse me, like we did with The Gifts of Imperfection. My background on Wired That Way actually goes back to when I was 10 years old. I am the middle of five children, and I remember around this age my mom sitting down with my four siblings and me and telling us that we were going to do a personality assessment so that she could understand us better. And I have to just give total credit to my mom. She always did a phenomenal job at trying to understand us, trying to, you know, read books. And she was all about, okay, how can I best understand my children? Uh, I, My husband and I, Taylor, we don't have kids yet, but I can only imagine when you start having, you know, more than, well, when you start having one child, you want to understand that child. You want to know, okay, how do they tick? And then it's like you have two children and here you are, they're completely different. And so we, I, as a child, you know, I, I remember taking this test. I remember there were four different colors, yellow, red, green, blue. And I remember I was red. Uh, which we'll go into here in a little bit, which is going to be really fun. But I remember just kind of two elements about that, that I was very, very passionate, very, I could be very intense, goal-driven. And that when I got my, you know, when I put my mind to something, I would figure it out. And so that always kind of stuck with me in the back of my head. It was four years ago that, about four years ago, that Taylor and I discovered Wired That Way. And Here we had been married um, just about a year, a little over a year, and we were just looking for ways to better understand each other. And oh my gosh, reading this book did that for us. And again, we will talk about that over the next couple weeks and how that greatly, greatly helped us. Um, But I want to break down the title of this book. I love starting off book club by doing that because I feel like as we understand titles, we can get an overall picture of why the author wrote this book. 
For me, what wired that way means is we all have our own unique personalities. I don't love the saying, I was born this way, just because I feel like we can always change. But in a sense, we are all born with unique personalities. We each have our own individual self to offer to the world. And so if we're breaking down the subtitle, A Comprehensive Guide to Understanding and Maximizing Your Personality Type, if we understand how we tick, if we understand why we do the things that we do, why we respond to different situations the way that we do, it can help us better our relationships and really just better our day-to-day living. Um, And then also with that too, it's a great way for us to be able to understand the people around us. Why, why does this person act the way that they do? Why did this person say this when I did this or when they were given this task? Why did they act this way or why did they accomplish it in this way? And so there are four basic personalities. We have the popular sanguine, the perfect melancholy, the powerful choleric, and the peaceful phlegmatic. Chapters one through five are going to go through a breakdown of the personalities. Chapter six through 10 is more of the interpersonal communication, Um, marriage, parenting, work life. It even goes into spiritual worship. Um, I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, As I've mentioned in our introduction, my relationship with my Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ is extremely important to me. And so reading that last chapter was really, really helpful with saying, this is how I like to worship. This is how I like to study the scriptures. This is how I like to interact with others. And so that was what was really, really fascinating to me. But obviously all elements of this book are just so profound in my eyes. I love how Marisha talks about on page 12, once we give up trying to change the people in our life and accept that they are just wired that way, we can begin to understand others and improve our relationships with them. Likewise, when we are able to grasp the way that we are wired, we can use that knowledge to grow beyond our natural tendencies and become better and more balanced individuals. Okay, I want to go into a couple things up front before we start to break down each personality. I could honestly spend one podcast on each personality because there is so much, but that's what the book is for. couple things here. This book is not one to label or stereotype people. I am a huge advocate against labeling. Um, I think that that is one of the most harmful things that we can do to children, to each other. It builds walls. And if we if we eliminate labeling, we're, we're able to instead create bridges and, and be able to create connection. Um, Marisha says on page um, 14, The goal of this program is to move you beyond the label and into application so that you can see real changes in your relationship. She also says on on page 15, no one person will fit exactly into one box. So what this book is, is a book to say, this is who you are. Again, this is not how you were. You were not born this way, so you can't change. But it's saying, this is just, this is what makes you, you. 
This is how you embrace work. This is how you typically embrace change. This is how you embrace fun. And each of us are different. So what I do love about this book is I have seen some personality tests out there that are so specific in saying you answered the question this way. So this means that you are you. And that's not at all what Marisha gets at. She says, you know, you could be a sanguine, but have when it comes to this way of life, you could be more of a choleric type of, uh, have more of a choleric type of response. So keeping that in mind, this is not a book to focus on your weaknesses. This is a book to help you maximize your strengths. One of my favorite authors, John Maxwell, he is a leadership author. I've actually heard him speak a couple times absolutely incredible. We're actually, for the month of April, going to be reading one of his books. But I heard him say once that too many people spend way too much time trying to focus on bettering their weaknesses, where if we can just strengthen our strengths, that's kind of a funny way to say that, but if we can focus on growing our strengths, then our our weaknesses will naturally grow into strengths. And so you're going to see throughout this book, Marisha's going to talk about different weaknesses of different personalities, but the goal is to say, okay, let's live in your strengths. Maybe as a phlegmatic, this is a natural weakness for you, but if you focus on the strength, you can overcome that, okay? This is not a book to fix other people. This is a book to help you better yourself so that when you get into different situations, you can you can fix you around other people, okay? For example, I'm just gonna share this quick story. My husband Taylor and I, um, we share one of the personalities, but then we are completely different on one of the other personalities. Um, and I'll, I'll dive into all of this later on, of course, too. But I think something that's helped us is when we focus on like, I got to fix you, I got to change you, you know, you got to do this better. It just creates more tension and it creates more distrust and frustration in our marriage where when we're able to say, oh, she responds this way because she has that choleric in her, we're able to have grace for one another. And at the end of the day, we, we, we really can't control other people. We can't control how other people act to things, but we can always say, okay, I can at least change me. I can, I can decide how I am going to respond. Another thing with this book, this is not a one size fits all. We are actually, and Marisha goes into this throughout Wired That Way, Depending on the situation that we're in, the environment that we're in, the people that we're surrounded with, our personalities can kind of change. Um, you can be 50-50. You could be 50% sanguine and 50% phlegmatic. Um, and, and that's very, very normal. And so what this book is, is this is a book, again, going back to this is, you know, these are your strengths. This is who these are the, this these are the things that make you you and so it, this isn't saying just because you're a choleric means that you're going to act this way all the time depending on what's going on in your life your sanguine personality could come out a little bit more okay and then there's also nature versus nurture 
um, masking, which we're going to talk about big time, um, and then also fulfilling emotional needs, and that's going to tie into making up our personalities. So let's go ahead, jump into breaking down our personalities. So as I mentioned, there are four personalities um, to be aware of. Um, let's start with the popular sanguine, okay? Popular sanguines have the slogan, I guess you can say, of let's do it the fun way. Their represented color is yellow, and you can think of a happy face, and their desire is to have fun. Their key strengths, and this is on page 18, their key strengths is the ability to talk about anything at any time, at any place, bubbling personality, optimistic, sense of humor, storytelling ability, enjoyment of people. Um, a couple other strengths, let me just pull these up, is they're very, sanguines are very energetic. They're warm, enthusiastic, approachable, inviting, and like a cheerleader. When I think of a sanguine, I think of my little sister, Mandy. Mandy is just that spirit that when she walks into the room, she's just bubbly, she's fun. Um, people connect with her instantly. She loves people. And I don't, I think sometimes the word popular can have a, a negative kind of connotation behind it. Popular in this sense just means they love to be around people, that they thrive, they have that energy when they're around other people. You know when a sanguine walks into the room, um, and oftentimes because of you know how they dress, they're a little bit more um, often wearing brighter colors. Sanguines also, they like people who listen and laugh, who praise and approve. Their emotional needs, okay, this is really important, is having attention, affection, approval, and acceptance, okay? Um, they're valuable at work for their colorful creativity, optimism, light touch, cheering up of others, and entertaining. Something that I love about my sister is she, Mandy, um, she has just a strength of when you're feeling down, when you're having a really bad day, she can come in and just add light and sunshine and will take you, like, wants to go on an adventure and wants to do the fun things and... I think we all can think of, I, I, I can think of my sister, but plenty of other people who you get around them and you just feel that energy and that warmth. Um, if we're going back to the color yellow, like a happy face, sunshine, think of things that are yellow, right? Um, some key things too, to also be aware of with sanguines, okay? Because we, we don't want to focus all our energy on the weaknesses, but it's important to also address these things. Sanguines tend to be disorganized, can't remember details or names, exaggerates, not very serious about anything, trusts others to do the work, too gullible and naive. They get depressed when life is not fun and no one seems to love them. They're afraid of being unpopular or bored, having to live by the clock, having to keep record of money spent, dislike people who criticize, don't respond to their humor, don't think they're cute. They could always improve if they got organized, didn't talk so much, and learned to tell time. There are other weaknesses, just to be aware of, again, this is if you're living in your strengths, right? We want to focus on, or excuse me, living in your weaknesses. We want the focus to be, let's live in your strengths. But sanguines living in their weaknesses are often loud, shallow, impulsive, monopolizes conversations, 
undependable, overly dramatic, self-centered, superficial, irresponsible, easily distracted, and it's all about me. Okay, so again, we wanna focus on the strengths of sanguines, but we have to recognize too, if you are somebody who's a sanguine, these are the things that you get to deal with, okay? Um, the second personality that I wanna jump into is the perfect melancholy. Let's do it the right way. They, melancholies are the exact opposite of sanguines, okay? Um, their representative color is blue like deep water. Um, one other thing before I keep going that just popped into my head that I forgot that I wanted to talk about is um, as you're going through this, um, I would encourage you to please, please, please take the personality assessment on the back of the book from pages 269 to 272. This is going to help you immensely. If you don't take this personality assessment, this whole book really is not gonna come together for you. So I would say if out of anything this week, your homework is to take that test, even if you don't read any else of the book, take the personality assessment, okay? It's really gonna help you. And I would even say, encourage your spouse to um, to take the test or um, in, um, tell your coworkers, say, hey, I'm a part of this book club. Take, you know, take this test or uh, maybe if they don't take the test, just start maybe look at it on your side and say, okay, this person, they tend to respond to this situation in this way. Um, or maybe they respond like this. I know that Taylor and I, when we took this, we took it for ourselves, but then we also took it for each other. And it was really interesting to see how the other person perceived um how Taylor perceived me and, and my strengths and my weaknesses, okay? Um, but going back to melancholies, um, they have the desire to have it done right, okay? Um, their key strengths is the ability to organize and set long-range goals, to set high standards and ideals, and to analyze deeply. This is on page 21. Their emotional needs is to have a sense of stability, space, silence, sensitivity, and support. They like people who are serious, intellectual, deep, and can carry on sensible conversations. They're valuable at work for their sense of detail, love and of analysis, follow through, high standards of performance, compassion for the hurting. Um, as leaders, they tend to organize really well, are sensitive to other people's feelings, and have deep um, creativity, and they want, they really have a desire for quality performance. A couple other strengths of melancholies is they're very empathetic, analytical, organized, compassionate, good li listeners, reliable, and trustworthy. Taylor, his primary personality is melancholy. He, this man has been the best strength in my life <laughs> for being organized. I, so my secondary um, personality, and we'll talk about this more in a little bit, well, actually, let's go into it a little bit now because it's probably important to know. We all have primary personalities and we all have secondary personalities. I have also come in contact with people who are a mix of all four. I have a good friend, her husband. If you take the four personality, he is almost an exact even across the board of all four personalities. Um, my second personality, if we're going back, is sanguine. My primary is a choleric, but Taylor's primary is a melancholy and his secondary is choleric. And so 
he is so organized and ever since I've met him, he's always had lists. He's always had, okay, like checklists, we gotta do this. If you look at him in his job right now, he works in project management at a construction company and he he is so organized and never misses anything because everything is on paper in his head. He loves Excel sheets. He loves, you know, all of those things. You walk into our home and it is very neat and organized and clean and has a he's very good with smells and colors and likes things to have you know our home is is pretty neutral toned if you're to come we don't have lots of bright colors we're very um and we've organized it in a way that it's it is very like neutral tones the thing i really appreciate from taylor is he recognizes that me with that sanguine um personality I have to have a little bit of, I have, I can't have all of the organization or I kind of go crazy. Um, we have an office upstairs. Taylor does not go into that office because there's piles um, next to our bed on my side of the bed. There's tons of piles everywhere. He gives me that space. He does not open my drawers because there is stuff just all over the place. And I'm really, really grateful for him that he has, um, done that for me and that he's been able to say this is what Sarah needs and and it's okay um, but he is also and I'm, I'm just gonna brag about Taylor for a little while he is so great with people while his you know sanguines are, are are known for just having that energetic warmth with people and being life of the party and fun he has such a way with like one-on-one -on -one connecting with people and being there to truly listen to other people's needs and so that's something that's also good to take note of is while um while you know as a melancholy for example uh, melancholies they don't necessarily thrive on people but it doesn't mean that they don't like people sanguines and melancholies both enjoy their time around people but their motives are different with why they're around people or how they respond to people if that makes sense to go through these things, some weaknesses of melancholies is they get often easily depressed, spends too much time on preparation, is too focused on the details, and that's going back to that perfectionist kind of mentality, remembers the negative, and can be suspicious of other people. Um, they get depressed when life is out of order, standards aren't met, no one seems to care, um, they're afraid of no one understanding how they really feel, making mistakes, having to compromise their standards. Um, they dislike people who are lightweights, forgetful, late, disorganized, superficial, um, and unpredictable. They could improve if they didn't take um, life quite so seriously, didn't insist that others be perfectionists. Um, and um, they react to stress by withdrawing, getting lost in a book, becoming depressed, giving up or recounting their problems. And so what's good to what's what's a good way to kind of remember these personalities is sanguine and melancholies are almost like polar opposites. And so what you'll start to notice throughout wired that way is it's really not natural to find people and or find individuals who are like a primary melancholy and secondary sanguine. And the reason for that is because since these are such polar opposites, 
right? If you're a melancholy, if you're someone who's really organized, you're probably not going to have that much clutter in your life. And so you're probably going to primarily be a melancholy, but then your secondary personality be a choleric or be a phlegmatic. Those are kind of some key things with with melancholy, sanguines. Of course, as you read through these books, if you go through um, chapters one through five, she breaks down specifics. Um, a, a, a good example too, she shares this story of how her husband, actually Marisha, she's a primary sanguine and her husband is a primary melancholy. And she shares this story about how they were about to go on a vacation and some neighbor kids came over to their house and she just got chatting with them about where they were going, how many days they were gonna be gone and just was talkative and fun. And the kids were like, oh, that's so cool. You'll have to tell us more about it when you get home. She tells her husband of this story and he just was like, why did you tell him that? Like very suspicious, right? And you can't tell them that. They can't know those details. What if, you know, what if their parents try to break into our house? And so that is a, a, a story, an example that she shares of the differences, right? Um, melancholies are often a little bit more reserved and they don't want all of that information out in the open for good reason. But in a sanguine's eyes, they want, to, they want people to know all about their life. They want people to be aware of those things, right? Let's move on to the next personality, the powerful choleric, let's do it my way. Their representative color is red, like a fire engine, or you could think of fire. Um, their desire is to have control. I am a choleric. That is my primary color or my primary personality. Um, I am about 60 to 70% choleric, 30 to 40% sanguine. Um, so I can just share all of this from personal experience because this is my primary personality. Key strengths of cholerics, ability to take charge of anything instantly and to make quick, correct judgments. Um, emotional needs are to have a sense of obedience, appreciation for accomplishments, credit for ability. This is on page 19. Um, they like people who are supportive and submissive, see things their way cooperative um, or cooperate quickly, let um, let them take credit. They're valuable at work because they can accomplish more than anyone else in a shorter time. They are usually right as leaders. They have a natural feel for being in charge, a quick sense of that, uh, a quick sense of what will work, a sincere belief in their ability to achieve, a potential to overwhelm less aggressive. Um, people. A couple other strengths, if we're going over to those of cholerics, um, they're very productive, visionary, multitaskers, open-minded, organizes people and resources. Um, this is on page 77. Um, uh, purposeful, focused, and motivates others um, constructively. With cholerics, you know when a choleric walks into their room. You can tell by the way that they hold themselves. There's often a confidence about them. When it comes to working with people, they're the ones that usually, when there's like an organization that's run, um, that choleric is, is there. They're like, let's do this. Let's get the job done. It's all about, you know, the goal, the task at hand. Um, I know that for me, looking at different areas of my life, if I don't have a sense of accomplishment, if I don't have a sense of purpose, it's really hard for me to function 
day to day because I gotta know exactly what I'm doing. We talked a little bit briefly about sanguines and how you know you can tell usually when a sanguine's around because of bright colors, loud. You can tell that too with cholerics by the way that they walk, by the way that they hold themselves often can be very intense in a very positive way. I have a good friend of mine that one time had told me, you know, as a cleric, you have to learn how to just streamline your intenseness because it can be overwhelming to a lot of people. Going into strengths, uh, or, or excuse me, weaknesses, clerics tend to be too bossy, domineering, autocratic, insensitive, impatient, unwilling to delegate or give credit to others. They get depressed when life is out of control and people won't do things their way. They're afraid of losing control of anything. For example, losing a job, not being promoted, becoming seriously ill, having a rebellious child or unsupportive mate. On a side note, one of my fears is um, silence and having to hold still. That's been something that's been a real struggle for me is just relaxing um, and, and it's something I'm constantly working on. Clerics dislike people who are lazy and not interested in working constantly, buck their authority, become independent, and aren't loyal. Clerics could improve if they allowed others to make decisions, delegated authority, become more patient, and don't expect everyone pr to produce as they do. You know, a cleric living in his or her weaknesses is in your face, know-it-all, angry, bossy, belligerent, untouchable, argumentative, usurps authority, offensive, controlling, narrow-minded, and manipulative. Something that I have seen in myself as a cleric is that I love working with people, but if people get in the way, Oftentimes, um, I push people aside because the goal often becomes more important than the person. Um, I'll talk about this more in later podcasts, but that's something for me that I've really had to work on in my marriage is saying, whoa, there are times where my husband needs me and he is more important than the end goal. And that's often why cholerics don't have very many friends, very, very close friends, because it's more about the end goal than it is the people. Even though clerics love people, it's it's what's the goal. I found that for me just as a cleric, I, I constantly have to work on, on not living in my weaknesses because if I'm not careful, my weaknesses can overpower my strengths and I want to live into my strengths, right? I want, I want to be a leader. I wanna have that vision in my life. I wanna be able to take charge of things, but also give people that grace. Let's skip over to phlegmatics. Now, Marisha talks about this. Um, I can't remember what page on in the book, but how usually sanguines, melancholies, and cholerics, you can you can easily tell who those individuals are because their personality strengths are a little bit more out there, whereas phlegmatics, their motto is let's do it the easy way. They're a little bit more difficult to tell. Okay, their representative color is green like the grass. All right, and their desire is their main desire is peace to avoid conflict and to avoid conflict. Because phlegmatics have such a strong desire to keep the peace, it's not uncommon that they become chameleon like. So they can take on characteristics of a melancholy sanguine or a choleric in hopes that no trouble will come up and that everyone will remain, bottom line, peaceful. Um, their key strengths are balance, even disposition, dry sense of humor, pleasing personality. Their emotional needs are to have sense of respect, feeling of worth, understanding, emotional support. 
Um, they like people who make decisions for them, recognize their strengths, do not ignore them and give them respect. They're valuable at work because they, medi- uh, they mediate between uh, contentious people and objectively solve problems. Um, and they're, as leaders, they keep calm, cool, and collective. They don't make impulsive decisions, are well-liked and non-offensive. They don't tend to cause too much trouble. Some things to know, too, is they are recognized by their calm approach, relaxed posture, sitting or leaning when possible. Um, I actually think when I think of phlegmatic, I think of two people. And I'm sidetracking here. Before I go any further, and I have to just be totally transparent here, I, when I first did this assessment, I, as my choleric self, right, because cholerics and phlegmatics are opposites, I was like, who would want to be a phlegmatic? That was just me because I thought like, oh, they're just like chill and they don't, they just kind of sit around. Like that was in my eyes and I totally, totally regret that and look back at that and say, actually the people I some of the people I most respect in my life are the phlegmatics. I have a dear friend, Lizzie, who showed this to me. Lizzie is the definition of consistency. Well, I'm someone who as, you know, primary choleric, I'm like very intense and like, let's get the job done. And my primary is a sanguine, just get really excited. Um, I tend sometimes not to finish projects. I tend to get overly intense and emotional and say, well, like we just got to figure this out. And I tend, you know, if I'm working on a group project, people tend to kind of fall away because they're like, we don't want to work with you. You're a little intense. My friend Lizzie, she is just steady Eddie is what I say. When she decides something, she follows through because she's just consistent. She doesn't get overly emotional. She just looks at things as a matter of fact. She's very peaceful. The way that people love her because she's just so easygoing. She's so fun to talk to and she listens to people. And so I've really, really learned a lot from her by saying, look, these are not my strengths, but I want to I wanna be able to learn from you and grow. So keep that in mind too is, you know, people who are maybe total opposite of you, you have something to learn from them and you can totally... It can totally bless your life. Um, another phlegmatic I think of is my brother, uh, my older brother, Parker. And he is seriously, he's just someone that just wants, he's so peaceful. He is. He has such a way of just deep thinking. And he does, he wants to keep the peace between people. He has, I see him and in the way that he um, loves um, loves our faith and loves, um, our savior. And he just has such a way of, of, of being able to, to listen and relate to people. And he just has such a calming spirit about himself that when you're with him, you don't feel overly stressed. You don't feel like there's nothing that you have to wonder of how is like, he's very predictable is probably the best word I could say. So those are great examples to me of phlegmatics and, Um, I just have to say for anyone who out there who is a phlegmatic, please own your personality because the world would not function without phlegmatics. We would be a mess because we'd be a lot of loud perfectionist and controlling people without you phlegmatics. So thank you phlegmatics. But a couple things with phlegmatics, some key weaknesses, lack of decisiveness, enthusiasm or energy, a hidden will of iron. 
Um, they get depressed when life is filled with conflict. They have to face a personal confrontation. No one wants to help. Or when the, the buck stops with them, they're afraid of having to deal with major personal problems, being left holding the bag, making major changes. They dislike people who are too pushy, too loud, or expect too much of them. They could improve if they set goals and become self-motivated. Um, they were willing to do more and move faster than expected faced their own problems as well as handle those of others. Um, they tend to react to stress by hiding from it, watching TV, eating, or tuning out life. A couple other things, um, going back to page um, 77, is phlegmatic. Some of the weaknesses can often be dull, boring, indecisive, spineless, lazy, wishy-washy, sarcastic, obstinate, passive aggression, uh, passive-aggressive, and no initiative. So that's exactly, again, why phlegmatics and cholerics are total opposites is because of um, differences, right? Now, if you're looking at, at goals and why, um, if we're going back to motives, there are some similarities with, with cholerics and um, phlegmatics. But again, let's go back to the why. Like why, what's the motive behind why somebody does that? Um, when it comes to working, a choleric wants to work so that they can get the job done and have that sense of accomplishment of, wow, I did something. I'm important. Look at me. Whereas a phlegmatic, they want to work so that they can go home and relax and maybe watch Netflix and sit down. Um, that was something uh, Marisha tells another story in this book of how, um, you know, you're going to see phlegmatics. They're the ones that anytime they can be comfy, they will be. Anytime they can, if they can sit instead of stand, they will be. If they can lay down instead of sit, they will be. If they can wear, um, you know, sweatpants and a baggy t-shirt, they will, right? Um, me as a as cleric sanguine, I actually find the most confidence and the enjoyment in wearing a Calvin Klein dress and high heels. And you phlegmatics are probably thinking, how in the world is that even awesome for you? It just is. I love it. I would I would rather wear that than my scrubs. I, I seriously would. I love, I love that. And so um, those are just kind of some basic overviews of the personalities. What this has done for me um, after reading this book and really starting to understand the personalities, it helped me have more compassion for people, right? If we're going back to the gifts of imperfection with Brene Brown, that's the whole goal is to have compassion and letting go of you know who we think people should be. But it's really helped me say, oh my goodness, my husband is a melancholy primarily that is why he acts this way right that's that's why he's responding to this situation if our if um our kitchen is just a complete mess and there's pots and pans just laying out everywhere he is going it, I, he gets a little bit more stressed and so if i can step in and put those dishes away there's a whole different feel in our house vice versa if taylor can let me focus on a project um regardless of what it is if he gives me that time to do that he recognizes that I then can be more emotionally present for him. So moving on, I'm just going to touch on a couple more things here. It's really important to recognize if we're going back to um, primary and secondary personalities, just like primary and secondary colors, right? For me, I'm a primary choleric, secondary um, sanguine, so my, my secondary color is orange, right? If you are um, a... Um, a, a blue red you're probably going to be more purple as your secondary 
So those secondary, it's really important too to recognize that that you're you're likely not just going to be 100% one personality. That you will probably, depending on the situation that you're in, um, your a certain personality might come out more. When I am all by myself, my choleric is at the max. Like I am all choleric. When I am out and about with other people, I have had people, um, you know, before, oh, you're so bubbly, you're so fun, you're so warm. Well, that's kind of the, the sanguine side that comes out. But when it comes down to doing the project, um, my, my choleric side will come out. So uh, depending on too, if you are, maybe you get two cholerics in the room, but maybe one of them is a more powerful choleric, maybe you as your melancholy side will come out a little bit more. Um, I know that for Taylor and me, um, with him, he's a primary melancholy, secondary choleric. When we're in conflict um, and um, hashing it out, both of our choleric side come out, but then kind of dealing with that conflict afterwards, his melancholy side comes out more and my sanguine side comes out. So that's really interesting also to understand that depending just on the situation, what's going on, different person personalities can come out. Another really important thing I want to talk about and that I'm very passionate about is masking. And this is why labeling people is so dangerous. When we start to mask, we are holding back on our gifts and who we really have the potential to be. This is why it's really important with children. Um, and we'll talk about this with parenting and being a, being that I'm not a mom yet, you know, I haven't done it before, so I don't want to like preach to all you people if you are a parent because you're probably thinking, why is this girl telling us how to be a mom? I'm just going to go off of what Marisha kind of talks about and just people in general. But if you tell someone you're lazy, what are they going to think in their head? Like if you tell, if you have a phlegmatic child or you're working let's say you're a coworker and, and you as a choleric are like, you're so lazy, right? What is that doing to them? That is, that's forcing them to then want to compromise and maybe live more in a choleric type of mindset when in reality their gifts lie as a phlegmatic. Or maybe, maybe you tell someone you're too loud, you're too obnoxious. And so they re- resort, you know, maybe as a sanguine resort more to a melancholy, they mask as a melancholy, they're losing out on their gifts to share their voice, right? Or maybe you tell a choleric, you're too loud or you're too intense. You need to stop being so intense. You, you know, you're, you're, you're out there too much. They're, they're going to retreat inside and maybe be a little bit more calm and collected. But when it comes down to it, and if there's a leadership position that pulls up, you're, they're missing out on the opportunity to step up. You know, maybe you have somebody that they're uh, melancholy and you're saying, you know, you always have to have everything perfect. What does that do to someone, right? It holds them back from when you need somebody that needs to be detail oriented. And so keep in mind that when when we start to really define someone and, and focus on other people's weaknesses, it really does a disservice to people. And Marisha talks about that in um, chapter five, how, um, or, or excuse me, not chapter five, chapter four. But if you find yourself in a situation where you are masking, I would encourage you to really do some deep reflection on why. And in those, in the very end of, of, of chapter four, when she goes into the information about masking, she gives some kind of tips on how to recognize that too when you're taking the personality assessment. 
something also maybe to to think about as well is if you're going through if you go through some big life traumatic event of any kind um you can potentially your personality can change a little bit so have that grace for yourself right and recognizing that the way that you're responding could be because of some different life circumstances to wrap up for book club this week i want to talk about some emotional needs of each personality we're going to go into this way more in the next upcoming weeks as we're diving into that interpersonal communication dealing with relationships but to kind of segue this into next week Basic emotional needs of a popular sanguine is to have attention, affection, approval, and acceptance. A powerful choleric has emotional needs of loyalty, sense of control, credit for good work, and achievement. Peaceful phlegmatics need peace and quiet, a feeling of self-worth, lack of stress, and respect. And perfect melancholies need sensitivity, support, space, and silence. Keep in mind that if you are not you or someone else you know is not getting those emotional needs met, it's really difficult for people to operate in their strengths. It's really easy for people to resort in their weaknesses. For example, if a sanguine doesn't feel that they are accepted or that they're getting enough attention, then they might live in their weaknesses, right? They might become even more loud. They might become even more um, talkative. If you live with somebody who, you know, as a peaceful phlegmatic, who is um, not getting a lot of peace and quiet, or they don't have a feeling of self-worth, they might live in that weakness of sitting around more and um, not using their time effectively. So keep that in mind that, okay, why is, if, if you're having struggles with someone in your life, if you're running into circumstance after circumstance where there's continual conflict and frustration, it might be because that person doesn't have their needs met. And I know we'll talk more about this next week and the following week. I know that that's been a huge thing for Taylor and me is that when we're feeling emotionally depleted, it's a good idea for the other person to take a step back and say, huh, I wonder why they're feeling this way. And then you can kind of go back based off of previous weeks, maybe look at the events that have happened in their life. And based off of their personality, you can say, oh my gosh, that makes sense. So just to kind of sum up today, you know, here we have these four personalities. And obviously people are secondary personalities, depending on the situation, people respond in different ways. We want to encourage people and help people and help ourselves in focusing on living in our strengths. Because if we can focus on living in our strengths, we're going to, again, grow our weaknesses naturally, as John Maxwell would say. And so as we're moving into next week, again, really the only homework for this week, read those first couple chapters that we've talked about today. Get a general idea of the personalities. Take the personality assessment, okay? Take that assessment. It's going to make this book make so much more sense. And then you're going to be able to ultimately figure out you. And that's the goal of this, right? Again, you can only control you. And your life is your life. And so if you want to start living a more fuller life, then take the personality assessment, okay? <laughs> 
So um, I will post the homework on um, our Instagram page. And again, thank you everyone just for listening in today and being so supportive. And I'm so excited to just continue growing this book club. And especially for the month of February, helping people figure out themselves and figure out how they tick and how to help those around us. So see you guys next time. Um, Go read, go grow, and we'll talk to you all soon.